Truth News Network. Get the jab or wear the mask. The mask causes infections and hypoxia. The jab causes heart inflammation and anaphylaxis. And every hour of every day, warnings, threats, enticements, lures to get a so-called vaccine for a virus with a 99.987 recovery rate. How do you survive the lies with a healthy injection of the truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. I must be honest with you. It seems that we're getting harder and harder to fight, to understand and accept what's going on around us. We face a big conundrum in America today. We don't know, but we must push forward. And I believe this is the first time in my history, in my history as an American, which would be since 1953. The very first time, that's when I was born. I didn't have memory then, didn't know what was going on in my world. Maybe about 1960, about the time that JFK was elected president, I became cognizant of everything around me. I don't ever remember a time in our lives where there's been so much up in the air. I mean, especially during the decades when we've grown away from being so sporadically spaced across the nation and we didn't have the, the ability to communicate in mass like we have in the last 30 years. But folks, since we've been putting satellites and astronauts in the air, we've been able to connect with everybody around the globe in just moments. But we're struggling to get information today. And it gets tougher and tougher on Americans. I cannot tell you how many texts, how many emails, how many calls we get at TNN Live. People are saying, what about this? What about that? Things that we've known and had answers for previously in our lives. Here we are. We're facing every day the same decisions, same choices. Looking at new opportunities. The same things that have been happening throughout our lives But we're unable to make the right decisions about many of these things because we don't have information that we can trust. Just as soon as this expert over here says this one thing, another expert over here says, "Uh uh-uh, they're wrong. And they get in a fight. And meantime, we're caught in the middle. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't care what anybody says, folks. The COVID-19 pandemic is not over. Maybe the medical piece of it is. But you know what has not expired? The chaos, the confusion, the manipulation of information, the disinformation, the experts clawing at each other, the politicians fighting. Both sides of the pond. I'm talking about in Europe, the United States, and on the other side of that pond, in Asia. It's not folks. It's nuts. Well, wow, what a way to end the week. A couple of things we got to break through here before we get cranking today. This is going to be the last day that TNN Live broadcasts from our studios in our current location on the east side of the Red River in North Louisiana. When we go off the air today, they will be, the movers will be coming to move us to the other side of the Red River, Shreveport, Louisiana, extreme south Shreveport, almost to the country. Uh, um, so nothing's going to change as far as you'll never be able to tell. Maybe slight little sound difference because rooms are different everywhere you go. 
and it's really tough unless you have an insulated, and when I say insulated, soundproof insulated studio room, you can't quite make them all sound exactly the same. Don't ask me why that's a, a scientific thing for the sound engineers, not for people like me. But anyway, we are moving our studios. We're going to be closer to the heart of government in northwest Louisiana. We'll be uh, bringing you the same information. Our stories will be the same. Tomorrow morning, the Saturday bullet points that several hundred thousand of you look to to get information that you may have missed during that week. Uh, It'll be live, and we'll be back in the saddle on the air at 9 a.m. Central Time Monday morning. We're not going away. We're just changing zip codes. How about that? And while you were doing your work yesterday, let me tell you what happened around us. Do you know that people next door to you, across the street, somebody that you looked at across a counter at a supermarket yesterday, or maybe you got your car washed, everybody that was there, some you noticed, probably 99% you didn't notice, they're dealing with the same issues that you and I are. And folks, I don't care how you couch it. I don't care what you say about it. It's there. Life is in front of us. You know what really troubles me about the trouble that is in our world around us most? Is every day, more and more people face desperation, the feelings of the unknown, the fear, the desperation of not being able to figure out what to do. And that very seldom leads to good things. Desperation usually ends in desperate things. Yesterday, we we live in a great neighborhood. We have good neighbors. Most of the people that live around us are people of our same ages. Many of, before we even moved into this location, we knew and had known for many years. Our next door neighbors, as an example, my wife worked for Ross Perot's company, EDS, for a number of years. Uh, She left EDS to join our company over 20 years ago. When she was at EDS, she worked side-by-side with an IT specialist named Ron, and he and his wife, they lived next door. We didn't even realize they lived where we were going to until we got here. It's been that way around. And we have these great relationships, good people. I mean, really good people. And when I say good relationships, we have African-American families here. We have Latino families. We have uh, families from India living around us, just really good people, and we interact with each other. Maybe that's the Southern thing. I don't know. But our next-door neighbors have, both of them have really, really good humor, so we're picking at each other all the time. And so as we were moving yesterday, I thought I'd play a joke on them and walk over there and ring the doorbell and tell them who was going to move in. We don't know who's moving into this home, but I was going to pick at them and... uh, kind of scare them to death about who was going to live here. I rang the doorbell. There was quiet on the other side, and then the door opened, and Annette was there, and she was crying. And I, I just didn't know what to do. I said, what's wrong? Listen to this. Her husband, picture of health. I mean, exercises, thin, younger than me, found out he had stomach cancer yesterday. Folks, life changes in an instant. 
All of our lives are filled with circumstances, and most of those circumstances are beyond our control. And as they are facing today, life-changing decisions, and they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know any of the details. And I think we all can relate to the fact that we dread the moment when the phone rings and it's the doctor and the doctor's bringing bad news. I'll never forget about 15 years ago, my daughter and her husband, who is the president of our company, walked into my office and said, we got to talk. My 30-year-old daughter was diagnosed with malignant breast cancer. I remember what happened to me when she told me that. I remembered five years before when they went to the doctor and the doctor told them that their first baby that was five months along in pregnancy wasn't going to live. And I remember when we buried our granddaughter. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. And it's when it happens in many instances, folks, it's not those people's fault. Life does that to us. But what exacerbates those normal things that happen, thankfully they don't happen to everybody or they don't happen to most of us, but they do happen. But the bad thing is we're living in an environment today that is full of those kinds of instances because we don't have the same positive undergirding, a foundation of understanding and trusting those who are in positions of authority over us, those so-called experts in the medical field. So we've been conditioned over the last couple of years to second-guess everything we're told by those people. That's not a good feeling. Let me tell you what was pointed out to me about six, uh, 6.15 this morning. I was in a meeting. And um, in this meeting, one person said this. We're spoiled in the United States of America. The trouble we're facing now It's different for us. It's a shock for us. It's something that we never experienced before, many of us, most of us, thankfully. But we're in this, and many of us are saying, OMG, every day, all day long. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. What's going on? Why is this happening? Why am I having to deal with this? I'm a good person. And you know, you say it. You may say it to yourself, but you're no different from me. When you don't have answers, you know what you do? You try to find them. You try to find ways to fill in the gaps of the unknown things for yourself and those that you love. Ron and Annette next door. Same thing. But you know why we are spoiled what was said this morning? There are millions of people, probably several billion people on the planet who deal with what Americans are dealing with every day now. They've been dealing with it for their entire lives. Think about that. When I look at the southern border and I see these illegal aliens storming across our southern border, I, I look at them, and I'm sure you have too. Why, why are they doing that? It's illegal. They're breaking our laws. We don't know the individual circumstances down there. I can tell you this. I've been in other countries. I haven't counted lately, but it's several dozen other countries. And when I'm away, 
I look forward to getting back. I haven't been to one yet that's better than here. <laughs> and I've been to some of the other better ones in the world. Folks, we got a good deal going on. Here's what I'm saying. It's real easy to forget about the good things and to concentrate on the bad things. We've got to think about both. We've got to be thankful for who we are, where we live, and what we have. We've got to be thankful for all those people that are in our lives. We can make changes in all of those circumstances. Those are our choices. But what about if you lived in a country where you had no choices? I mean, none. And there are people all around us today, here in the United States, that are in those circumstances. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. So when we're looking at others, when we're looking at those with who we disagree, politically, socially, economically, whatever the reason or reasons are, don't damn everybody, folks, just because you don't agree with them. There are people that look at you, people that look at me, that feel the exact same way about me as we're tempted to think about these other people. We don't walk a mile in their shoes. We don't know what happened at home when you go to work and somebody's hacked off and jumps all over you in your office. You don't know what happened before they left that morning. You don't know if somebody in their family is dying. You don't know if that woman is about to lose her husband or vice versa, or they have a child that's in legal problems. We don't know any of the circumstances. Why the heck do we as Americans think that we know everything about everybody and everything about everything? It's because we've become spoiled because most of us, we were born into this. We've lived in the freest and the most powerful and the most successful and the richest country on planet Earth for our entire lives. We've had it pretty darn good. And so when something doesn't go our way, it's like, OMG, my world is ending. And then throw into the mix politics. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. But you know what? The same principles apply there as do going to the doctor and finding out you're really sick. What do you do? you got two choices, folks. We either deal with it or we just lay down and die. As tough as it is, as, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, as taxing on you physically and emotionally and mentally, it's no different than going through something at home, something with some of the people you love, your family members, your spouses, your kids, your parents, your aunts, uncles, those that you're close with, when they go through trials, we go through the trials with them. When we go through the trials, they go through the trials with us. When you're tempted to look over across the road and you see a development where the houses are two or three or four or five times more valuable than yours and your neighbors drive, in, instead of driving Fords or Chevys, they're driving Lamborghinis and Land Rovers. And you're tempted to look at them and say, that's not right. That's not fair. When you see somebody standing in front of your courthouse downtown and they're holding up signs 
and they're talking about defunding police, killing cops, demeaning illegal immigrants, talking about our political leaders. When you're tempted to do that, stop and think. You haven't walked a mile in their shoes, nor have I. I'm not saying agree with them. I'm not saying don't have a conversation. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying just because you think you're right about everything doesn't mean you're right about everything. And just because you're wrong about some things, and you think you are, doesn't mean they're wrong. Listen closely. I'm about to give you a tidbit of wisdom. Sometimes you're wrong, and you think you're right. Sometimes you're right, and you think you're wrong. So how do you put all that in context and make it live in your life, Dan? What you do is the best you can do in every area of your life. Throw yourself into it. Your relationship with your husband, your kids. Guys, with your wives, your kids, your bosses, your fellow employees, people you socialize with, go to church with. Invest some of yourself in other people. Don't look at them and maybe think, what, I wonder what they can do for me. Or I wonder if I can get this or get them to agree to this. Instead of approaching it that way, become a servant. Become a servant. What can I do for you? Look and see and find something in their lives, some way that you may be able to help them. It may just be a cup of coffee or a phone call or a tap on the door. So yesterday, when Annette opened that door and broke down, you know what we did? We prayed. That's all that I could give her. Ron was in the other room talking to his family members on the phone. We prayed. Sometimes we don't have answers, folks, but life goes on. Sometimes we don't want to make choices. Life goes on. And then sometimes in life, folks, death is part of it. Death of others. Sometimes we're all going to face death. We're all getting out of here the same way. I don't know if you know that, but we're going the same way. And I have never seen an Allied moving van behind a hearse. The only thing we take with us is what we've deposited already to where we're going. So enough about that. It's Friday. It's the weekend on the way. I don't know where you live. It, it, it kills me to look at the uh, geolocations every day when we do this show and just see, I mean, we've got people in... Australia and Europe and Asia. I'm I'm, I'm sick this morning. I just happened to look over and see somebody in Maui (laughs) that was listening in. Probably somebody from here vacationing over there, but Lord knows. I love Maui. I love Maui. What a great place to go. And and, And it's not so... Folks, the Redneck Riviera in northwest Florida, the sand and the water there... And if you're a Hawaiian and you're listening in, I don't want to demean you in any way because I love your islands. I do. And especially, 
I love Mama's Fish House on the North Shore of, of Maui. Um, I'm not demeaning you in any, any way, but the sand in Destin and just across the border into Alabama and Gulf Shores, Panama City, it's, it's, as, it's bleached white, and therefore the water is very blue. Not quite like the Caribbean. Turks and Caicos, I think God lives there part-time at least. He made it perfect the water and the sand. I'm just saying. But the thing I love about Maui is when you go there, folks, you don't have an option. Those people live their life at a pace that's at most 40% of mine. They don't deal with the stuff the same way you and I are dealing with it this morning. It's almost like this. When they look at something, something bad happens, somewhere in the back of their minds, they probably think this before they get all involved in the bad stuff. What difference is this going to make a hundred years from now? (laughs) So don't sweat it. (laughs) I appreciate every one of you that listen in. If you live in the continental United States, in most places is hot. If you live in the South folks, you're living in a steam room. The humidity, Louisiana and over in East Texas and other places around the South, it's just unbearable. Not only is it hot, It's wet, and remember I told you this, we're in a moving process, so that means there's going to be a lot of sweating around here over the weekend. Enough of that. We have so much information this morning, COVID information. You know, we could talk about it every day, but it seems like the stuff doesn't change. It just keeps going on and on and on, and we circle back like Jen Psaki at the White House does, circle back, circle back, circle back, we talk about the same things again and again. But it appears to me that our political leaders, not all of them, but a big chunk of them, are ratcheting down on this COVID-19 pandemic thing. What do you mean ratcheting down? Most people in the United States now get it that people that quote-unquote serve us in politics aren't always in servant mode. I think you know what I'm talking about. When the United States was formulated with the federal government, people that went to Washington and served in Congress and other, other elected offices were servants, public servants. I mean, we use that term forever and ever and ever, public servants, public servants. If you were running for Congress, you were going to be a public servant. In your city, your town, you were going to be a mayor, member of the city council, public servants. Servants serve. In other words, servants don't demand things from people they serve. Most of our political leadership today up in the Potomac Valley, they call themselves public servants, but they don't serve us. Their opinion is flipped 180 degrees. We serve them. They're the bosses. They're the ones that run the country. They tell us what works, what doesn't work, what we can do, what we can't do. And because they tell us all of these things, we must comply. And the latest debacle that just keeps being pounded into our minds and our heads and our hearts is vaccinations for COVID-19. And when this all began, when the uproar began, More than a year ago. Can you believe it's been over a year since this crap started? 
We've been told vaccinations, vaccines are coming. Get ready. You're going to have to take them or you're going to die. This is the worst thing that's ever happened on planet Earth. Well, it's not. There were millions of people that died in Europe. Remember that? Back in the 1800s. The Spanish flu back in the early 1900s killed a whole bunch of Americans. But they're telling us that. It's it's as if they're creating a perception in the minds of Americans to fear, and the only way to handle the fear is to breathlessly hang on every word, every bit of information they give to us, these experts. Prime example, more and more people are not trusting the COVID-19 vaccines. All three of them here, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. And we hear about problems, and they hide the problems. They don't want to talk about the problems. Our resident pharmacist just a moment ago sent us the latest VAERS numbers, the adverse effects coming from COVID-19 vaccinations. As of Friday, 5,036 Americans died, those deaths attributed directly to adverse effects from COVID-19 vaccinations. I'm sorry, that was last Friday. Yesterday, it was 5,247 Americans. Those are the reported numbers. Not the total, just those that have been reported. J&J, 490 deaths. Moderna, 2,491. Pfizer, 2,246. Unknown vaccine source, 20. Age breakdown, 17 of those 5,247 were under age 18. 65 ages 18 to 29. 115, ages 30 to 39. 194, age 40 to 49. 399, age 50 to 59. 381, age 60 to 64. 1,750, age 65 to 79. 1,938, ages 80 plus, and 388, age unknown. As you can hear, if your kid's under 18 years old, it's highly unlikely your kid would die with COVID-19. If you're older, that typically means you've got other health problems, comorbidity problems, it's, it's called. Diabetes is a big contributor to death under COVID-19. But 80 plus, you get sick. There's a good chance you're not going to make it with COVID-19. All that being said, folks, do you know that number? And if you put it back up at the global, the 10,000-foot level, 5,247 people die. If you put it in the context of the United States of America and the fact that we vaccinate our kids and have been for decades, go all the way back to 1990. 5,247 COVID deaths since January, since January of this year, 5,247. That's more than the total number of people who have died from vaccinations for every other disease that we vaccinate for, all total, back together all the way to 1990. 31 years, folks. So, in six months, seven months now, 5,247 have died since 1990, 31 years ago. 
the total deaths from vaccinations up until this year don't even reach the number of COVID vaccination deaths in seven months. And so, people, justifiably so, say, maybe, oh, maybe we ought to back away. Well, our government's going crazy. The percentages of people that are refusing to get vaccinated, it keeps going up and up and up. And so Dr. Fauci, he's pretty much gone away over the last couple of months because the truth has been confirmed again and again that he is a pathological liar, that he is a tyrant, that he wants the attention, and he demands for all of us to bow at the altar of Fauciism as being the uncontroverted source for everything to do with COVID-19. So he's not happy about the refusal of Americans to be vaccinated. Listen to how he explained what's going on in that regard. This is not complicated. We're not asking anybody to make any political statement one way or another. We're saying try and save your life and that of your family and that of the community. It's, you know, we have so many things, as you said, so many diseases that I deal with that don't have solutions. It's very frustrating. You don't have a treatment or you don't have a vaccine. Here we have a vaccine that's highly, highly effective in preventing disease and certainly in preventing severe disease and hospitalization. It's easy to get. It's free and it's readily available. So, you know, you've got to ask, what is the problem? Get over it. Get over this political statement. Just get over it and try and save the lives of yourself and your family. So 5,247 people have taken the advice of Fauci and other medical experts. 5,247 of them have died. More than 15,000 others have had adverse, serious adverse reactions, hospitalizations, some permanently disabled. Nobody's, nobody in the media, and of course that was, I think, on uh, either MSNBC, probably NBC. NBC likes to have Fauci on. Nobody asked that question. How do you explain that? Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Who's here? Hey, Dan. This is uh, Peter from California. Hey, uh, how thanks you do- for taking my call. How you doing this morning? Uh, <laughs> you know, listening to Fauci in his explanation that the vaccine is safe and it's free, um, it just kills me. Um, I was in a uh, pharmacy, a large pharmacy, uh, in the checkout line two days ago. And uh, the woman in front of me just fell over sideways into a cooler and started shaking violently, convulsing. Wow. And so the counter staff called 911. I got this woman's arm out of the cooler, which was um, stiff as concrete, and uh, laid her down on her side. And for some reason, the um, counter people decided to call the pharmacist up, thinking that he could offer some medical advice or medical opinion. So this happened in a pharmacy? In the checkout line of a pharmacy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
and uh, one of the major chain pharmacies that gives vaccinations. You can walk in and you can, you know, I don't even think you have to identify yourself. But <clears throat> so the pharmacist eventually, it took him a minute, but uh, he shows up and it's a, a 50-something Asian man and I could see, and he was wearing a mask, of course, and he seemed nervous just to be there. And I asked him point blank, I said, did you just vaccinate this woman? And uh, he remained blank and, and didn't say anything. And so I raised my voice loud enough that everybody could hear it in the pharmacy. And this is a big pharmacy. And uh, when I asked him the second time, did you just vaccinate this woman? He nodded his head. Yes. So I repeated, you just acknowledged to me that you just vaccinated this woman who's down on the floor convulsing. Is that correct? <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, he nodded his head again. So, uh, you know, I waited there with the woman. She actually had a cut on her head and was uh, bleeding fairly profusely. We were trying to find uh, some uh, gauze, ironically, the pharmacy to deal with that. But the fire department arrived shortly after and, uh, and they took over. And I looked at one of the uh, firemen and I said, listen, she's just been vaccinated and here she is. And, you know, he looked at me, kind of shook his head back and forth as though this isn't the first one he's seen. What, uh, was she unconscious on the floor? Yes, she was um, unconscious, uh, convulsing, uh, very stiff, um, you know, no um, people reaction at all. Wow. And she was, uh, she happened to be holding her driver's license in hand. And um, when the fire department were on their way, um, I looked at her driver's license to see that she was uh, 66 years old. Not that old a person. So how did you read? What was, when you figured out and put the pieces together? I mean, here's a woman that was checking out at a, at a, it, it, it would have to be Walgreens or one of the big chain stores because uh, pharmacy stores because they they do give vaccine. One of those, and I just that one popped ahead. Mm -hmm. Rite Aid or somebody, but you're right, just you're right. just you're just there doing your thing, and she goes out. You find out she got the COVID nineteen vaccine. What what was going through your mind? What do you think was really happening there? Well, so here's. <clears throat> Here's the, the, the big takeaway for people. Um, the vaccine is clearly dangerous for anybody. Everybody can see that. It's not, you know, um, statistically hidden in the numbers that the vaccines are causing problems. The big problem is that our government, the CDC, the FDA, the WHO, and idiots like Anthony Fauci are running around telling people to their face that these are safe. You can't see what's in them. We're not going to tell you about what it could do. In fact, we have no idea. But what they do know is that it doesn't prevent COVID. It doesn't prevent getting a virus it doesn't there's no evidence that it 
if you do get COVID, it, it helps you. But what we also know is that uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, even different compounds of vitamins can cure people of the virus, even when it's at a fairly advanced stage. And those same agencies are blocking doctors from prescribing it. That, in my dictionary, is genocide. There's so much unknown, and I think what Americans are finding out more and more, why the numbers, the percentages of people that are accepting the vaccinations is dropping. I think people are realizing something's not right, and we we, we forget these, all three of them, are classified by the FDA as experimental drugs. Experimental mm-hmm. drugs. And normally what that means, you remember when uh, the controversy over hydroxychloroquine first came out, Fauci, his thing yeah. was, and the FDA put it out, that can only be taken under a physician's direct care. So... It was because it was an experimental drug for COVID-19. <laughs> well, hydroxychloroquine, you can actually make it with um, grapefruit peels, orange peels, and uh, a couple other household items <clears throat> in your kitchen. Well, but my point, my point is, it was experimental, and government said you can only do it under the direct care of a physician. Now, with these classified still as experimental vaccines, you can go to any place. I mean, you can drive up. You don't know who's... They don't know about you if you drive up and say, I want a vaccination. They don't have a clue what your medical history is and just go get jabbed. So, Peter, I'm from the South. You're in California. What part? Where are you? Uh, Long Beach. Oh, my gosh. You're close to heaven. You're not quite... South enough, San Diego to be, but you're close. Anyway, that's a suburb of L.A. Um, It's different from parts of the country from other parts. It seems like big city, big urban places. Everybody's just benignly lining up and getting a shot. We don't know. People don't know. And so our government, this is the part that we're focusing on in the show today. Our government, the so-called experts, they almost all seem to be in unison, this rush, this Our pressure. government branches are clearly involved in committing a crime. There are certain um, official physicians and even some political level people that may buy in to this through ignorance. Wow. But um, if you ever listen to a a really prominent cardiologist, uh, Peter McCullough, who has become very uh, verbal, um, <clears throat> very outspoken, even though they're trying to censor him everywhere. Uh, he's from uh, Texas A&M University, probably the most published cardiologist on the planet. And he says, this is crazy. He knows that COVID can be treated, he knows the vaccine is completely irrelevant to the, the illness. And that, in his opinion, these are bioweapons, and he plans to prove it. 
Peter, we're gonna we're gonna have to leave, but on the way out, I want to tell you this this kind of is a um, exclamation point to what you just said. Uh, in our state, Louisiana, the entire state is mm-hmm. only thirty one percent vaccinated, but. In southeast Louisiana, everybody thinks of New Orleans when you talk about Louisiana. New Orleans is 350 miles from here. It's way down there. It's only 45 minutes from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. In that part of the state, vaccinations are at 71%. Listen to what's happened in the last week. In one 24-hour period in greater New Orleans, there were 600 reported cases, new cases of COVID-19. The next day, 280. That part of the state, 71% of residents have been vaccinated. It's got to be. It's got to be will, tied together. You will find that the. Uh, and I did see a number yesterday of 85%. Yeah, it's but a, it's the a, people a, that are coming down with the Delta variant now. It's the Lambda variant, and there's a new one coming out in California. 85% of those people at least are vaccinated already. Yeah. So these new variants are affecting vaccinated people. Well, you're not supposed to get sick, and you're certainly not supposed to die after you get vaccinated, right? Correct. That's uh, what they, that's the hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Peter, thanks for calling. I'm, thanks for listening. You bet. Have a great weekend. Thanks for your show. Hey, Peter from California, (laughs) Uh, I guess maybe you and I aren't the only ones that think something ain't right about what's going on. We're not done yet. Our government is reaching deep. They always reach deep into our pockets for tax dollars, but now they're reaching deep to get our benign acceptance of everything they have to say. I'll illustrate that. I'll let you listen to a couple of things. This will blow your mind. That's, that's right after this. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price participation may vary. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. 
When two guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. At any time, any time at all, when we need absolutely factual news of anything, of any type, who's the expert in the United States of America? Of course, it's our president, Joe Biden. And all of a sudden, he found out that uh, Americans are not so positive about his push to vaccinate everybody. He didn't reach his 100-day goal in having a percentage, I think it was 70% of Americans vaccinated. And so we began to see them really push and push and push, running ads even, multi-million dollar ad campaigns, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. Hollywood began to do PSAs, public service announcements, and they're pushing really, really hard. And folks, I don't know about you, but but I'm very plugged in to getting information and finding and digging and unearthing facts about pretty much everything when it comes up, especially when it's something that comes up at a national level. I'm really big on the United States of America. I am a red-blooded American. I believe in our government. I don't like a lot of things that happen in our government. As I became cognizant of politics back in the 60s and began to feel my way through what was being told to us, I, um, I just decided I was going to always stay on top of getting facts. And in doing so, when people that are in authority over us, it's one thing to believe everything they tell you, hook, line, and sinker. It's another thing to accept the fact that they are in authority, and because they're in authority, they have certain powers and responsibilities that we need to hold them accountable for, for doing or not doing. That's in our bailiwick. But what's not is we can't control them other than at the ballot box. And so that means the responsibility for holding them accountable. That falls directly on our shoulders. We don't live in an autocracy. We don't live in a plutocracy where a group of, a small group of very important, enlightened, and empowered people control every part of our life. It's exactly opposite of that. But this government today has become, in a way, a plutocracy where three groups of people control or try to control everything. They, of course, are the elected government people that we send to D.C. And the second segment is a bunch of bureaucrats who many of served previously in the government. When they left government, they got involved in the, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll say the swamp of Washington, D.C., all those people that are just embedded in the mud up there. And they just facilitate those appointed and elected people. And the third and probably the most sinister group of this plutocracy is big, big, wealthy American corporations and individuals. And so for this thing to work, those three must unite and begin to push out using all their resources to force everybody to fall in line. Now, that doesn't sound familiar to you. That doesn't sound like that may be something we're dealing with. Whatever happened to that representative republic that we were born into, most of us? 
Where did it go? Well, it's supposed to still be here. It's supposed to be in place. And then we fast forward to 2021, and here we are with the United States president that obviously, without question, has cognitive decline. And I'm not demeaning him. I'm not diminishing him in any way. It's a fact. It's there. People who are medical professionals that are way, way over my head with their knowledge, including the former physician for the White House, for President Obama and for President Trump, Ronnie Jackson, who's now in Congress in Texas, he says without question, Joe Biden is suffering from some cognitive decline. All that being said, He's still the president of the United States, and he still has a lot of power, folks. And there are those that say he's not running the nation, that there's a shadow government behind him. I'm one of those people that I predicted, excuse me, I predicted when Joe Biden took office that the reason Barack Obama maintained a residence, his principal residence in Washington, D.C., just blocks away from the Capitol that he was there for a purpose, and he's not there just because he likes the weather. He's there for a particular purpose. He's still plugged into our government, there's no question. And his theories and philosophies and policies have been pushed out, and there's a large segment of our federal government that bought into that during his eight years. And many of those people are still involved directly. Many more are involved indirectly. And whether or not they are calling shots or anybody that's not elected is calling shots, whether that's not happening, there's tremendous influence there. Folks, Washington, D.C., all it really is is a massive machine with thousands, tens of thousands of moving parts. And the people that have the grease that makes all those parts move are the ones that have the power. Who are those people? I just mentioned some of them. All I am saying is Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Whether or not we believe he was fairly and legally elected, and I'll probably get canceled for even bringing that up. Whether or not that is true, he still is. And until he's not, we are told by God that we are to honor and pray for those in power above us, over us. And I pray for President Biden every day. He's the pilot of this jet, and until I get off the jet or he gets off the jet, I want him to be successful. I don't want to be aboard any plane crashes. All that being said, more and more people's eyes have been opened, and folks, you may not believe what I'm about to say, but it's a really good thing we're going through right now. All this uncertainty, all this questioning, why? Because more and more Americans are waking up and paying attention. They're watching what's happening instead of just trusting. Benignly trusting, believing everything we've been told. Look at what's happening in the public education system. Folks, this kind of junk that's been brought to light, critical race theory specifically, but all of the other stuff, it's been going on for years. But American parents are so caught up and so busy with life, we just trusted and we gave charge of the, the next two generations of young people to a bunch of education professionals that are in the tank far left. They're in the tank of socialism. 
and they'll tag it with some name. The name doesn't matter. What matters is they have snatched control of the education of our kids. We almost lost one entire generation to this before our eyes have been opened. And you know what opened those parents' eyes? COVID-19, pandemic. Not being able to go to work, kids not being able to go to school, moms and or dads staying home because they're not working, watching the Zoom classroom lessons and hearing the drivel that has been for years being shoved into the minds of our kids. That's just one example of a wake-up call. You want to hear another one in healthcare? Do you? Here's the president himself. After receiving a briefing from my entire COVID-19 team, I'm proud to announce that we're getting even closer. <laughs> and it should be because of reconsideration. And it, it, look, let me put it another way. It seems to me it should cause everybody to think twice. And it should cause reconsideration, especially in young people who may have thought that they didn't have to be vaccinated, didn't have to worry about it, and didn't have to do anything about it up to now. But the good news is we are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors, to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. Look, equity, equality, it remains at the heart of our responsibility of ensuring the communities that are the hardest hit by the virus have the information and the access to get vaccinated. So, as we shift from these centralized mass, mass vaccination sites, where we're doing thousands of people a day, we're gonna put even more emphasis on getting vaccinated in your community, close to home, conveniently and a location you're already familiar with. Now, I'm not going to infer what he said wasn't what was really or is really going on. I'm not going to infer that. But a lot of questions came to mind as I listened to the president speak there. Number one, maybe minimal, but it was important to me. He used this. He said equity, equality are. In other words, he made that one. They're totally different. Equality is what Americans are promised. In our Constitution, equality means everybody gets equal opportunity. Equity is the new thing this whole generation of far-left sycophants at every level of government and every level of leadership in our public lives. Equity. They're saying equity means the same thing as equality. No, 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 no. Big difference. Equality is not controlled by government. It's not. You can't control equality. Equality is just like truth. It exists in a vacuum. Equality means what it is, and it cannot be altered. They're trying to take that away from us and make it equity. You know what the big difference is? Equity is decided, is determined by some person or some people. Look at what's happening at the southern border. There's no mention of equality down there. Equality means legal, same, exact opportunities. That's what equality means. Equity doesn't mean that. And they're conflating the two purposely in the ears and minds of us all 
that we have to, we, we're required, it's our responsibility to provide equitable everything for everybody. In other words, if they don't have a blue house and they want a blue house, by jingos, we're going to make them able to get a blue house. How do we do that? Well, they don't have the money to get a blue house. Well, we're going to take money from somebody else and give it to them. That's what equity's about. It's a big difference there. But the Biden administration, they've really poured this out into the marketplace. Equity instead of equality. Joe Biden tried to say there that they're the same. The other thing is, folks, we are moving away from these mass vaccination locations where we're vaccinating thousands of people a day. We're going to move away from that. Well, if it was being effective, if it was working like he for months told us, we're far better than the previous administration, who, by the way, invented the vaccines and put the whole process together. And by the way, before Joe Biden was president, Donald Trump's progress in COVID-19 taking care of it meant that Joe Biden got a shot, a Donald Trump COVID vaccination shot before he was even inaugurated. All that being said, we're at a point now where they're scared to death. You know what they're scared of? Losing their power over us. Every nation in history that has ever had a revolution of any kind, what are these revolutions about? They're against somebody. It's one group or multiple groups joining together because they have gross differences with somebody else. What's the unifying, singular, identical thing, the thread that is through all revolutions? Somebody's taking power and control of other people. And it may work. It may work, and it usually does for a time. But eventually... These people don't want to be subjected to this power group or power groups, whatever it looks like and whatever it is. And so they join together and revolt against it. Now, I'm not even talking in this particular scenario in context of what President Biden was saying and what we're talking about now about an actual revolution. I don't think that'll happen. I do think there is a revolution of ideas and benign acceptance that Americans believe that our government and these so-called medical experts are giving us bad information, and they're not telling us the truth, and we don't like the results that we're seeing. Peter just called from California, and he helped a woman up off the floor that went in convulsions in a Rite Aid or Walgreens or CVS or one of the national pharmacy chains just minutes after she got her COVID-19 vaccination. There's something wrong there, folks. 5,400 people have died, reported 5,400, which the experts that keep that information at the CDC tell us the numbers that they consider to be truthful. If 5,400 deaths are reported, there were actually 10 times that. So they say their words, not mine. I mean, it's on their website. They don't promote it, but the VARS, V-A-E-R-S, is a segment on the CDC website where they publish these reported deaths and adverse reactions from COVID-19 vaccinations. It's there. They say the death toll from these vaccinated people is 
around 50,000. Only 5,400 specific have been sent in to the CDC. That is something that has got people standing up and paying attention. And you don't think, they don't think, the government doesn't think that we should be doing that? So now, listen to this. What's, what's out there right now is we've heard conversations about mandatory vaccines, forcing Americans to take them nationwide. And in other countries, folks, there are employers that today are forcing their employees to be vaccinated, and if they don't do it, they lose their jobs. So Americans' rights are being challenged by our government, by our corporate world. And Americans are asking, how much of my personal rights am I willing to give up to my employer or give up to the federal government? And there are people that are in this administration. They feel like they have already the authority to force us And so conversations have been rampant, folks, of people that are actually saying, it's time. Let me give you an example of one. CNN political analyst Julian Zelizer, he called on coronavirus vaccinations and vaccine passports to be mandatory in the United States. And the justification is the Delta variant linked together with an increase in cases amongst the unvaccinated. So he wrote this on Wednesday of this week in a Wednesday column. He argued that Republicans and Democrats, including the president, were focusing too much on individual rights rather than the good of the collective. Remember that phrase, the good of the collective. You know where that came from? It came from Stalin. It came from Hitler in Europe. Totalitarian governments Socialist, the collective, is considered to be the driving force in all totalitarian or socialist nations. And this guy's at CNN. He's the stud, Julian Zelizer. Biden, the president, he said, and everybody else, Republicans and Democrats. He said all of us that think there's something up. We're focusing too much on individual rights rather than the good of the collective. And he declared that Americans shouldn't view the vaccine as an optional inoculation. Here's a quote. It's time to impose vaccine mandates and passports. The COVID-19 vaccines continue to perform extraordinarily well, but the rate of infection is worsening in unvaccinated populations. The Delta variant is offering a sobering reminder that the pandemic has faded in much of the country but certainly not ended. Both political parties have made the mistake of framing vaccines within the tradition of individualism, he added. Even President Biden, who has demonstrated his comfort with a muscular role for government, keeps appealing to individuals to make the right and patriotic choice when it comes to receiving their jabs. That's the so-called expert at CNN. Folks, a number of states have been even trying to buy their citizens getting and taking vaccinations. Several states have offered as much as a million dollars in cash prizes through a lottery, 
Also, free college tuition, free food, and even beer. One study focused on Ohio's Vaximillion lottery. And they found out that the incentive didn't correspond to an increase in vaccination rates. You can't buy benign acceptance of things if people aren't uncomfortable with those things. And so this shift away from, hey, you don't have to take it if you don't want to. We've moved away from that nationwide. And it's now probably, well, you really ought to get the vaccination. And people still didn't en masse go get those drive up and get the vaccination. And so they moved it a little tighter. Hey, how about we throw these state lotteries? You know that COVID-19 relief money, trillion dollars? Well, it's pushed down to states, and we can use it for anything we think is necessary. So we're going to take a couple of million of taxpayer dollars, you know, those red state people that paid it in in their taxes so they could bail us out in these big cities. We're going to give away tax dollars. And so they're making these price. And now those aren't working. In Ohio, the report came back. It didn't increase the percentages of people getting vaccinations. So it's not working. So what's next after that? What's next after that? How about let's go to the neighborhoods? You heard the president say it in that soundbite a moment ago. Let's go knock on doors. Well, how does that make you feel? What if you're sitting at the house one evening? And the doorbell rings. Maybe after dinner, you and your family, you're sitting around about to watch your favorite show. Or watch a movie together. The doorbell rings about 7 o'clock. You open the door and there are two people standing there. And they tell you, hey, we're so-and-so. And we're out here in the neighborhood today. And we're talking to folks about needing to get a vaccine. Have you and your family yet been vaccinated? And I'm not even going to go into what will or what won't be said or what might happen. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But the president just opened the door. Now, he has a health and human secretary, Becerra. Used to be the attorney general of California. Before that, he served in Congress. Far left Democrat. Knows nothing about health care. He's the secretary of the Human and Health Services Administration. Listen to what he had to say, Xavier Becerra, about this door-to-door knocking on doors about vaccinations. Uh, perhaps uh, we should point out that the federal government has had to spend trillions of dollars to try to keep Americans alive during this pandemic. So it is absolutely the government's business. It is taxpayers' business if we have to continue to spend money to try to keep people from contracting COVID and helping reopen the economy. And so it is our business to try to make sure Americans can prosper, Americans can freely associate. And knocking on a door has never been against the law. You don't have to answer, but we hope you do. Because if you haven't been vaccinated, we can help help dispel some of those rumors that you've heard and hopefully get you vaccinated. Yeah, knocking on doors, never been illegal. So if we knock on your door, you don't have to answer. We hope you will, but obviously, Xavier Becerra, he was listening to the uproar that has swept across the nation when the president several days ago, as you just heard in that soundbite, 
open the door to going into the communities and neighborhoods and going door to door. So let me throw another little question out there for you to think about. What do you think they know? What do you think they know about vaccinations? Now, when you go to your doctor, they fill out a form. When you go to a clinic, they fill out a form. Now, the federal government, as Becerra just pointed out, has spent trillions of dollars sending money out to states and institutions around the United States. There's a database, folks, of those who have been vaccinated. So that was brought up yesterday in the White House. Jen Psaki, brain surgeon, communications chief of the White House, quote, the federal government does not have a database of who has been vaccinated. That's not our role. We don't maintain a database along those lines, and we have no plans to. Now, let me read that quote again. This is actually what she said. She was asked if the federal government has, a, it, it, was, it was phrased in the form of has a list of those who have been vaccinated. Listen to her exact quote. The federal government does not have a database of who has been vaccinated. That is not our role. We don't maintain a database along those lines, and we have no plans to. Now, let me put that in political speech for you. What that means is, well, you may have caught us, but we don't have a database. She never said we don't have access to it. She said, we don't keep it. That's not our role. Don't you think for a second that if you've been vaccinated, there's not a record that can be accessed by the federal government? Not trying to scare you. I'm just saying we need to be prepared for whatever. We need to think through the possibilities. Not to be scared, not to be afraid, but that we can come up with ideas and thoughts of what if this happens, just simply create a plan. Here's what we're going to do or here's what we're not going to do. What you don't want to find yourselves in is pretty much in everything else in our lives. Everything else in our lives is, that's important to us, when we look at them, when we walk through them, when we experience them, we make plans of what to do and what not to do. Just as we were speaking just a second ago, this popped up on my screen. I won't tell you who it is. Somebody that I know. Capital letters. Yes, they do have a database. When you are vaccinated with COVID vax, the entity vaccinating is required to report. There you go, folks. The White House may not have it in a database. She said that's not our role. The White House. The White House. You heard what Javier Becerra said. Bet your bippy. They know who does, and by the process of trial and elimination, they know who doesn't have the vaccine. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee fi fo fum. I smell the. I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. The truth comes out. In the break, during the break, listen to this. Not only do they have a database, they have patient name, date of birth, address, ethnicity, and race. They are not required, healthcare professionals, they're not required to report on any other vaccine. Just COVID. Now, this is from a medical professional that I know factually has the information. And so, yeah, there's a footprint, folks. There's a footprint. Everybody who's had it, they know about. So what else is happening in COVID world? I, You know, there's so much other stuff that's important, and we're going to segue into it in just a minute. Up in, um, let's see, where, where did this happen? Where did this happen? A federal judge has rejected the CDC's request to keep COVID-19 restrictions on cruise ships departing from Florida after July 18th. A federal judge stepped in. Remember, the CDC wanted all of these cruise ships uh, to be restricted. The CDC asked for a stay to the injunction on its conditional sale order. District Judge Stephen Maryday, in a ruling this week, the injunction on the conditional sale order, a rule that forces cruise lines to have the necessary requirements and recommendations to sail. It's going to go ahead as planned on July 18th. All cruises were shut down March last year. The agency later issued the conditional sale order in October of last year. But according to the judge's ruling, the CDC's, quote, action is not about what health precautions against COVID are necessary are helpful aboard a ship. Instead, listen, this action is about the use and the misuse of governmental power. It's all coming home, folks. It's all coming home. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, you know, we talked about 
being required to get a vaccine. The Federal Reserve Bank up in Minneapolis is requiring its 1,100 employees to get vaccinated by the end of next month. The president and CEO of that institution, last name Keshkari, said yesterday that the new policy would require all employees to get the shot as a condition of continuing employment with the combinations being made to those who cannot get vaccinated due to medical conditions or sincerely held religious beliefs. He added that the policy is also going to be in effect for new hires. So, Federal Reserve, that's not, as most people think, a United States government entity. Federal Reserve is a private organization, and that's something for another day, another story. That's a big deal, and we don't want to wait in it today. A private Facebook group that called themselves victims and families of the COVID-19 vaccine, with barely two months since it was created, already has almost 30,000 members, more than 200 publications from people who suffered these adverse effects, or their relatives did. The only reason why the group hadn't been censored on Facebook yet, I was about to say, how are they keeping going? It's that it's private. You have to ask and then be accepted to be a part of it. The information published doesn't have the chain effect of public publications. Each post, however, has Facebook's disclaimer, quote, COVID-19 vaccines undergo many tests for safety and efficacy and are then closely monitored. And the source of that is the World Health Organization. According to one lawyer, Reiner Fulmike, who together with a group of scientists is suing governments, labs, and doctors that are involved in mass vaccination campaigns. They're suing them for violating the Nuremberg Code. Experimental vaccines against the virus have not gone through preclinical tests to analyze the risk. In 2004, there were clinical trials with the technology used in the original COVID vaccines, mRNA, and all the animals died. We didn't get told about that. That happened back in 2004. Not SARS-CoV-2, the new one, but one of the original ones. The number of adverse effects reported in the group is so extensive, the stories of those who lost loved ones is heartbreaking. This stuff is just kept under wraps. Do you know where I had to go to find this story? A little media outlet in the Middle East that is not government-related. They're an independent, private group of people that are just digging for facts to find the truth. We found them, I guess, almost a year and a half ago. And every once in a while, I get an email from them. Gosh. (laughs) I got to be honest with you. This is really spooky. And then this variant. There are a couple of them. But the one that's dominating right now is Delta. So instead of turning to the CDC, let's listen to a little bit about the current vaccines that are out there and these vaccines' effectiveness or lack thereof on COVID-19. And this comes from somebody that you know and trust. This comes from Johns Hopkins. 
Listen to this, folks. Should we be deterred? I mean, it seems to me that we're still um, saving people from serious illness, hospitalizations, and death at, at a very high level. You're exactly right, Matt. You know, I, I think, you know, certainly there is cause for concern. We know this variant, the Delta variant, is more contagious, more infectious. Um, there's some evidence that it may cause severe disease. And, as, and then, as you said, you know, increasing evidence perhaps that the, the current vaccines are less effective. But I think you're right, Matt, that, you know, what the evidence thus far suggests that uh, our current vaccines do protect against severe disease, will protect someone from hospitalization, will prevent uh, death. And that's the most important thing. But we also want vaccines that, that prevent transmission and, and prevent new cases. Um, and I think what we're going to see is that there is a reduced uh, effectiveness uh, of these vaccines against the Delta variant. Um, the question is how much? And Lambda and Omega, how much are these vaccines, you think, evolving with the virus? Well, what, you know, what, there are two ways to kind of combat these, uh, these different variants with vaccines. One is to give a booster dose of, of basically the same vaccine, get higher antibody levels, and, and that'll probably do a good job against many of these variants. The other strategy is to actually alter the vaccines, and that's relatively straightforward with the mRNA vaccines or the adenovirus vectored vaccines. Kind of swap out the gene uh, for the spike protein for one of the new variants, and you've got a new vaccine that's more effective, and there's already a lot of work in that area. So, experts at Johns Hopkins, you heard what was being said? I think, maybe, we hope, we trust. In other words, folks, we don't know. The experts don't know. And then we hear, well, maybe you're going to have to get a third. You know, the two-shot thing, you're going to have to get a third. And maybe even, according to Fauci, every year, a booster. Well, then the CDC, they jump up yesterday. A joint statement released saying that Americans who have been fully vaccinated do not need a booster shot at this time. But the two federal health agencies, FDA and CDC, they also said they're prepared for booster doses if and when the science demonstrates that they are needed. According to this statement, here's what was said. Both of them, CDC, FDA, National Institute of Health, are engaged in a science-based, rigorous process to consider whether or when a booster might be necessary. We continue to review any new data as it becomes available, and we're going to keep you informed. In other words, let me interpret that. Let's put it in Dan's speech. Well, we don't know what the heck is going on. You know, we didn't do the clinical trials. We didn't spend years in preparation and making sure what the potential adverse effects of this vaccination was going to be. You know, Normally, this would take years to do, and it would require several other entities getting involved, and we would put people on the task that are in various countries, different ideas and thoughts, and we would put all the experts together and do animal testing. And then when we felt comfortable, we would then move it into really exhaustive and long-reaching human test trials We didn't do any of that on this one. Here's what we're doing now. We've got a bunch of lab rats, 
and we're poking them every day and we're watching and we're listening and we're learning what works and what doesn't. Oh, and by the way, just like when we do it in laboratories, some of these test patients are going to die, but they're taking one for the good of humanity. Americans, Brits, Asians, Indians, Africans, Chinese. Those are your lab rats. All the trials are happening directly on humans. Not controlled. Nobody's standing guard. A controlled lab test is just that. It's controlled. Everybody's involved. There are people at the top that document everything. None of that's going on, folks. They're just passing it out, jabbing it, and hoping that more live than the number of those who die. That's a best-case scenario. (laughs) I don't even want to go into the worst-case scenarios. Meanwhile, segueing to life elsewhere, guess what's happening up in Chicago? Those educators up there, they got it going on, almost like their city government. You know, where you have 100 people shot, 28 killed in one weekend because the mayor has scared the local police department to death and the local police department won't enforce criminal law, won't take thugs off the streets. In the education system there, Chicago schools, parents will be glad to know that they're now providing free condoms to fifth graders. I'm not lying. (laughs) According to a new policy which the Chicago Public School Board of Education signed in December, now schools must maintain a condom availability program for grades 5 and up. Why are they doing this, folks? Listen to this. This their justification. The purpose for doing it is, quote, to protect against sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV infection, and unintended pregnancy. Fifth graders, folks. Fifth graders. The Department of Health there is going to provide thousands of condoms to 600 public schools. Each elementary school gets a 250 condom. And high schools get 1,000. Go figure. When you don't have those protections, don't make those resources available, then bad stuff happens to young people. That's according to Dr. Kenneth Fox of the Chicago Public Schools. You have elevated risk of sexually transmitted infections, of unintended pregnancies, and that's very preventable stuff. Duh! The school board says the new policy is guided by, oh my gosh, anti-racist pedagogy and provides strategies to support all students that are inclusive of gender identity and gender expression. I'm not lying. The release that came out, the policy that was written, says it's guided by anti-racist pedagogy. Everything's driven by race. And those who put anything out to justify and legitimize anything that you put out, all you have to do is tell the people, we're doing this for anti-racist pedagogy. (laughs) Oh, it's not funny, folks, but if you don't laugh, you'll cry. It's crazy is what it is. And we live 
in the greatest country on earth and our experts, so-called experts, our public education experts in one of the cities in America with the worst public education system in a state that's one of the worst public education systems in the United States, they're telling us they know and we've got to give condoms to fifth graders and that doing so is anti-racist? Come on now. And people wonder why Americans are rushing to get away from these metropolitan areas that are just full of hard leftists at every level of government. And it filters into the education systems. Not the education systems, the public education systems. No sector of society is safe in these states and these cities. And then over in Texas, they're having a special session of uh, the legislature. A special session convened yesterday to address some unfinished stuff from the previous session. The 87th legislative session was a big success for the people of Texas, the governor said. But we have unfinished business to ensure that Texas remains the most exceptional state in the nation. Here's what he says is going on in this session. Two of his emergency items, along with other important legislation, didn't make it to his desk regarding whether or not to sign into law during the regular session. And he said, we have a responsibility to finish the job. The special session priority items put the people of Texas first and will keep the Lone Star State on a path to prosperity. I look forward to working with my partners, yada, 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 yada. So here's what it is, the agenda of this session, and I thought it was important for everybody to hear this. It includes legislation reforming the bail system in Texas to protect the public from accused criminals who may be released on bail. Also, election integrity. Legislation strengthening the integrity of elections in the state. Border security. Texas now. Legislation providing funding to support law enforcement agencies, counties, and other strategies as part of the state's comprehensive border security plan that they're doing, but federal government who has, according to the Constitution, sole authority to govern our borders, to protect our borders, to monitor our borders. They ain't doing squat. Texas is trying to step in. And the federal government is going to step in and stop Texas from doing it. You watch. But they're going to work on it. Social media censorship. Legislation safeguarding the freedom of speech by protecting social media users from censorship by these big companies based on the user's viewpoints including by providing a legal remedy for those wrongfully excluded from a platform. Article 10 funding. Legislation providing appropriations to the legislature and agencies in Article 10 of the General Appropriations Act. Family violence prevention. Youth sports. Youth sports. Abortion-inducing drugs. 13th check. What is that legislation similar to House Bill 3507 from this past legislature? and their regular session relating to a 13th check or a one-time supplemental payment of benefits under the teacher retirement system in Texas. And, oh, by the way, critical race theory. Hmm. I wonder what they're going to do about that. 
And I don't know if you know this, we didn't bring this to you, but our good friend Congressman, former Congressman Alan West, he was in Florida. He relocated to Texas. He just last week resigned as the president of the Republican Party in the state of Texas. He's challenging Governor Abbott in the 2022 Republican gubernatorial primary. And that's going to bring a new look, a new new landscape for politics in Texas. Alan West is African-American, a highly decorated member of the military. He's a good guy, too, really good guy. So is Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott. It's going to be interesting to watch that. That's just one thing, folks. It just keeps going and going and going. Guess what was just handed to me? You're not going to believe this. The European CDC. Nearly 2,500 cases of COVID-19 related to this. The Euro 2020 soccer tournament. According to these health experts, 2,500 COVID-19 infections happened during and at the European Championship soccer tournament. As of July 1, seven countries had reported a total of 2,500 infections that came from those matches. The majority of those cases were Denmark, Finland, France, Sweden, and Scotland. The countries with the most cases were Finland and Scotland. This chaos, this madness, it just keeps going on and on and on. And I don't see an end in sight, folks. I really don't. We don't understand it, but it's part of our lives. We've got to find ways to deal with it, don't we? And then we have federal election stuff. And I thought we, when we put November 3rd last year in our rearview mirror, that maybe we could find a way to muddle through and just get through it and find a way to breathe easier for a few years before we have to deal with this again. Folks, politics is year-round. It never stops, and it hasn't stopped yet. There's still craziness going on in Georgia about that law, election reform law, that Georgia's state Senate and legislature passed and the governor signed into law. It's been under siege by all the far left lefties, including Democrat Party leaderships at every, every level. A federal judge has refused to block that new election law, granting a victory to the Republicans there. District Judge J.P. Bowley stated that the court is not persuaded by the plaintiff's argument for a bright-line exception to Purcell because they have alleged First Amendment harm. Plaintiffs have not provided authority, nor is the court aware of any, that would support this interpretation of the law. So what's this all about? Well, the law was enacted in March, and it seeks to eliminate election fraud. But in addition to that, it expanded the ability for Georgians to vote in elections, put in as an example permanent lockbox drop-offs, which were not part of the other law before this, and they were put in effect uh, on an emergency basis because of COVID. What they're trying to do in this law is secure the integrity of election by enforcing conformity across the state county-to-county, city-to-city, town-to-town in the election process. Democrats, though, claim that it creates unnecessary obstacles to go vote, of course, particularly for black people. According to ABC News, 
Democrat activists led by the Coalition for Good Governance. They asked the judge to stop Georgia from enforcing some sections of the new law, not all of them, but they daisy-picked the ones they wanted him to step in on, including the observation of elections and a new deadline for requesting absentee ballots. They claimed that those parts of the law could threaten voting rights. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember a time when across America, if you wanted to cast a vote in any election, you did so. You went to the polls and voted on election day. And if you were working and your job didn't give you time, you know, really easy time to go vote, most employers across the nation, they would let voters extend their lunch period to go vote or come in late or give them a special time off. In fact, a lot of companies just gave them extra paid time off to go vote. None of that's good enough for these far lefties. They've got to find a way to keep the election laws as loose as possible. Why is that? I'm not assuming, folks. I'm telling you. If you shore up the integrity of elections by making sure that all of the processes of elections are overseen and made sure that they're working according to each election law in each state, you're opening the door for cheating. And cheating has been rampant today in Texas alone. There are 500, 500 criminal cases that the government in Texas are investigating for fraud, election fraud, 500. And Democrats say, there's no cheating in voting. You're just trying to keep people from going to vote. We're not done yet. Back after this. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples. Make more happen. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. 
not just political, not just lifestyle, but always relevant. See and hear it first at truthnewsnet.org. You know, we just told you about that Georgia law, that local lawsuit against it. We don't want to put that away and forget about the fact that the Joe Biden administration had his Department of Justice to file a lawsuit against Georgia challenging that Georgia election law. Federal government going after the state of Georgia. Now, put it in context, folks. According to the Constitution, who makes all election laws? All election processes, everything about elections, it doesn't matter what it is. It's to be done and regulated solely by the elected officials in the various state legislatures in each of the 50 states. Folks, the federal government has no place in there. So what the DOJ had to say is come in and say that parts of the law are racist. And they've done it. So, of course, the state of Georgia, they're frantic. You don't want to get in a lawsuit with the federal government. You don't want to get in a criminal prosecution thing with the federal government. Do you know how expensive it is to hire, retain representation among the legal community when the federal government goes after you? It's horrendous, and the feds know that. So they go after Georgia, and uh, they're basically saying, let's see, let let me read the exact claim that they are making. The right of all eligible citizens to vote is the central pillar of our democracy, the right from which all other rights ultimately flow. That's from U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. This lawsuit, he said, is the first step of many we are taking to ensure that all eligible voters can cast a vote, that all lawful votes are counted, and that every voter has access to accurate information. And he finished by saying, the Georgia law will make it harder for people to vote. Now, let me just say this. If you, and we've done it here at TNN Live, we take the new Georgia law, put it side by side, and look at other states. First of all, the Georgia law expanded dramatically access for people to vote. I mean, dramatically. Opening it up, extending hours, they're able to vote in some cases on weekends. And giving the counties around the state the right to even expand the voting period. What they don't like, and they won't say it in these cases, what they don't like is the mandate in this state's new law and the laws that are, some cases, already been adopted but are being considered by legislatures in 13 other states is the requirement for people to confirm their identity when they either vote in person or in absentee or mail-in ballots. Now, let me ask you this. In this process, in this process, tell me, how is that wrong? (laughs) How is that wrong? There's only one reason why any person or any entity, only one reason why they would not want this integrity clause kept in any voting law is because they want to subvert the law. They want to be able to cast ballots illegally. They're wanting to have people who aren't legally voters be able to vote. 
and even just to stuff ballot boxes. It's been happening since elections began, when they were created, not just here, but around the world. And they do it in the name originally, they said, in the name of African-American minority people. But then more than half, 70% of black Americans in this nation that have been asked by numerous pollsters about, is it, is it racist? For you to be required to have a voter ID to be able to vote, they get insulted. They say the fact that people are even intimating that is discriminatory against African Americans is racist itself. In other words, I heard one African American young man in this interview answering this question in the street of the Bronx, New York. And he said, listen, you can't do anything in America today. You can't own a house. You can't drive a car. You can't get government assistance. You can't go to a Democrat Party meeting. You can't get on an airplane without having a voter ID card, some type of sufficient identification to prove who you are. What the heck is wrong with that? Unless you want to be able to cheat. You want to bend the rules a little bit or even just out and out cheat. So a couple of more things we want to get into before we finish the show today. First of all, before we do anything else, let me remind you, um, we're moving our studios this weekend. We'll be back live. Nothing's going to change. You'll, you'll see everything pretty much the way it is. We posted this morning a story on our story. We're considering doing some structural changes in our broadcast here, and we want your opinion. And so let me just do this. Let me go grab, I want to read verbatim what was published this morning, just so you know. And it was written concisely. So um, it's titled, There's Change in the Air. We're not publishing a regular story today at Truth News Network, which we didn't today, but we're sharing something very important, plans. We're considering making some structural changes in this show. TNN Live for a year now has been streaming two hours each Monday through Friday. Every show is kept in our catalog so that any and all can grab free of charge any show that has been broadcast in the last year. And the way you do it is, there are multiple ways to do it. You can grab the story and grab the show at the end of every story published each day. There will be a link posted at the bottom of it. You click on the link and you can get that day's show. You can do it that day or any other day if you want to go back. Additionally to that, shortly after every show ends, iTunes podcast picks it up and publish it, and also Spotify podcast. So if, if you are a user in, of iTunes and Spotify, you can get them. And the way you get them on either one of those sites is you just put in the search bar, TNN Live. None of that's going to change. The changes we're thinking about is to bring in more special guests on our shows and possibly even some guest hosts. But before we do any of that, whether we should change it all and what we might do, we need to hear from you. So if you don't mind, I want you to share, and I'm going to make it really easy for you. I want you to give us a toll-free call. Our regular number, 866-378-7884. That's 866 866- Three seven truth and there'll be a recording that comes on at the end of the recording there'll be a beep and just verbally say hey look we'd like to do this we'd like to change this whatever your thoughts are it doesn't matter what they are good or bad 
We won't know your identity. It's not anything about trying to find out who says or thinks what. It's to get information from input. Listen, this whole thing's, this website, this show, we've considered it from its inception to be yours. And we're just kind of the keepers of this thing. And we want it to be exactly what you want it to be and what you need. And I got to be honest with you, I'll probably get some calls when I start flipping through them and listening. There'll be somebody that wants us to go away. (laughs) That's hard to process when all you got to do is turn us off. That's the way you get rid of us. But really, we appreciate your participation. We appreciate your support. And we just want to do it better. Whatever that looks like, we want you to determine that and tell us about it. Got it? Toll free. Anytime this weekend, 866-37-TRUTH. 866-378-7884. So as we're getting into looking back now, Nancy Pelosi's put her commission together to find out what the heck happened on January 7th, or was it 6th? Anyway, at the Capitol. This is all about people objecting to the results of the November 3rd election last year. And so the Democrats just sowed all kinds of seeds of hatred and anger for Donald Trump in the wake of that. Millions of Americans don't believe still to this day that that election was fair. So one writer came up with a way to um, explain something that's going on. Most of the very vocal Donald Trump haters the real loud ones, they are beginning to drop out of lockstep with the Biden administration and the ranks of those fervent political propaganda that are involved in that Democrat Party apparatus. Group mind reading, especially when that mind reading is directed toward a section of the political media. It's dangerous, folks. But in this case, the rising courage of just a few members of this almost totalitarian solidarity of the anti-Trump hallelujah chorus in the national political media, it appears to be moving in parallel with their misplaced hope that the Trump phenomenon may be fading away. It was widely recognized, and even by those on the left, remember John Stewart? the longtime far-left comedian, nighttime talk show host. He showed his independence of mind when he pointed out to his ungrateful protege, Stephen Colbert, who took over for him, that it was likely the COVID-19 did escape from the Wuhan Institute of Virology after all. And of course, that belief or that belief that it might even be a possibility, if you believe that, you got to be one of those Trump supporters, those evil Trump supporters. That's just one example of it. Stewart's declaration, it just abolished the charges of racist bigotry on the part of Donald Trump on that subject, at least COVID-19. And it's just accelerated the slide from secular sainthood. That's a good term. Secular sainthood to the nether regions of distinct fallibility on the part of Fauci and a bunch of his supporters. What does this all boil down to, folks? The left, they're seeing their grab, their rush to take total control of the narrative about everything important to Americans. They're losing a grip. They're losing control. 
And they're doubling, therefore, doubling and tripling down on their past because they see it slipping from their grasp. Total control, that's what they're after. We're going to keep a tab on this. We're going to watch the polls closely because more Americans are waking up and they're saying what you and I have been saying for several years now. Things just don't seem right. Stuff we're being told is truthful just doesn't bear out to be true. And yeah, there are a lot of people still in the tank. There's no question about it. There are a lot of people that will always be Trump haters. No question about it. We get that. But these people that have developed and they very craftily and slowly created an environment where they have the permission, sometimes benign, but they have the permission to force people to think whatever they say is true, no matter good or bad. A lot of those people are waking up and they're seeing that maybe what we've been buying into for all these years, maybe it's just months, Maybe it's not what we thought it was. And maybe, just maybe, Donald Trump did some good stuff and said some good stuff and initiated some good change. Just maybe we ought to look and we ought to listen and consider those things. That is scaring the left to death. But you know what we say here? We don't care. We want everybody to ask questions. We want every conservative, every far leftist, every Democrat, every Republican... We want everybody to ask questions and get so hungry for the truth that you go find the truth and you do whatever it takes to dig in and find it and make your life and death decisions in many cases based on facts. That's a fleeting thing sometimes, but it's always important for us to grab. In all this conversation today, we've not even mentioned the name Kamala Harris. We're going to end the show today (laughs) with this. During a portion of an interview with BET Television, it's going to be aired tomorrow, by the way. No, tonight, I'm sorry. This segment of that show was broadcast on Thursday, CBS This Morning. In that interview, VP Kamala Harris, she answered a question on whether she would compromise by agreeing to voter ID provisions just to get voting legislation passed by stating that we shouldn't downplay the impact that voter ID laws could have. And the reason the the question was asked is because to some voter ID means you're going to have to Xerox or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove that you are who you are. Many people live where there's no Kinko's, there's no office mask, office max near them. That was her answer, folks. She actually, the Vice President of the United States says, requiring voter ID means you got to go to Xerox or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove that you're who you, you say you are. And everybody doesn't live close to a Kinko's or there's no office max near them. The vice president of the United States said that in this show. So Soledad O'Brien was doing the interview and she asked the VP, people are talking about potential compromises. Is agreeing to voter ID one of these things you'd support? 
She said, I don't think we should underestimate what this could mean because in some people's mind it means, and she said this Xerox voter copy ID thing. People have to understand, she said, that when we're talking about voter ID laws, to be clear what, who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. Almost impossible to prove who they are. How the heck is that racist? How the heck does that have anything to do with voter integrity? And why doesn't the sitting vice president want everybody to be confident, to be comfortable that their voting rights are protected because their vote is being protected by our federal government making sure that only people who are eligible to vote, only those people who have registered, that have proof they're who they are and that they're legally eligible to vote. And the vice president said, that's racist. That's unfair. We're going to stop people from voting. I don't get it, folks. You guys have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you again Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central, right here at TNN Live. Enjoy the weekend. Have fun with the folks you love. See you then, folks. So long.
to say that Papa never watched a day in his life. And Mama, some bad talk going around town saying that Papa had three outside children and another wife. And that ain't right. Heard some talk about Papa doing some storefront preaching. Talking about saving souls and all the time leeching. 